Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Across the wide table here in the podcast headquarters. Beat writer Scott Ritchie staring a hole into me. I don't know why. Just waiting for my introduction. I don't know what I did to Scott, but uh, Scott is back. Should we start calling you like Nostradamus, Scott? I mean, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but... I was awfully close with my score prediction from week zero. For those that didn't see in, in Saturday's News Gazette, like we'll do for every Illinois football game, this entire season, Scott makes his bold predictions. That How much time do you put into those? Like the prediction itself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, very little, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. It's not something I like, you know, You don't back scour the game or, film and uh, hit the rewind button a few no, thousand that, that's times. That's how you end up overthinking it. It's okay. just you got to go gut decision okay, and run with it. And well, I did, mm-hmm. and I picked 28 to 20. Illinois. And they won 30 to 22. So we're basically blaming Cam Taylor Britt for the score not being right because he somehow wanted to field a but punt. He right? forgot how to put <laughs> He forgot how to football. Uh, <laughs> With that, yeah, I just, I've never seen anything like it. I'm going to be honest. You know, he fielded the punt, like, almost straddling the goal line. Um, Kirby Joseph was very fast in punt coverage, was on top of him almost immediately. And then his best idea was to fling the ball forward as far as he could, which, one, illegal. illegal. (laughs) Can't do that. And, two, um, Either via that move or the fact that you know, he was down in the end zone as two points for Illinois. Um, well, that, that Strange, strange football. Strange first half, especially until uh, late, in, late in the first half. Um, we can dive into Nebraska more, but uh, we're recording this on a, a Thursday afternoon, about uh, 52 hours before kickoff against Texas San Antonio on, on Saturday night, and Brett Bielema had a Zoom call earlier this afternoon where he dropped some rather significant news on the injury front. Uh, Calvin Hart Jr., uh, linebacker, scored the first defensive touchdown for Illinois. This season with his 41-yard scoop and score late in the first half against Nebraska that really kind of changed the momentum of the game is out for the season with a, a knee injury? Or are we calling a lower body injury? Well, he, I think he, using he did some hockey use, verbiage? He did use the actual body part. Okay. It's a knee injury, not an ACL. Okay. So it could be an MCL. I mean, and there's also, I think, the PCL yeah. and the meniscus. There's lots of different, mm-hmm. you know, obviously ligaments and tendons in there that... You can tear, and whatever it is in his knee, you know, C.J. Hart will be out for the season, which um, Illinois fans are reacting to, you know, as expected, I think. Sort of the well, it's Illinois Sky football. Is falling. This, of course, happened to us. Um, Not that there aren't other college football teams that deal with injuries. Yeah, just, and, just Illinois. And it happened to C.J. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a loss for Illinois. I mean, he was... Kind of all over the field before he got hurt, and you know had six tackles, tackle and a half for loss, a sack, the scoop and score. Um, was the Big Ten defensive player of the week? Not a lot of competition for that, obviously. Um, but then was also the Bedneric defensive, like national defensive player of the week. Again, not a ton of competition. I think they're like what five games last week, but 
It was a really good debut for him, and now we'll see him again in 2022. Yeah, and unfortunate for Hart, especially because uh, he transferred in this offseason for North Carolina State and uh, was a, a guy that came in a position of need for Illinois, given all the uncertainty at, at the linebacker room, because uh, at the time Jake Hansen wasn't coming back. He had declared for the NFL draft, and Tariq Barnes and Kalen Tolson and Shamad Cooper saw their seasons, 2020 seasons end because of injuries. So, and he was, I believe he was the first high, he was the first power five transfer that Bielema landed, I believe at Illinois. That sounds right. Okay. That was a while ago. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, unfortunate news for him. All right. Next man up mentality, Scott, who replaces hard at linebacker on Saturday night. Well, according to Bielema today, it's Thursday again, if you're listening to this before the game, um, It'll be some combination of Tariq Barnes, Kalen Tolson, and Alex McCarron. Um, I think Barnes will be first up in the next man up role, just because that's what happened Saturday against Nebraska. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, he, If you think back to the 2020 season, he was literally the only Illinois football player that played well against Wisconsin. I thought you were going to say the, I thought, I'm glad you said it against Wisconsin. I thought you were going to say For the whole season? Exactly. No, because, I mean, obviously he had the injury, so he didn't get to play the whole year. And also, after his really good game against Wisconsin, Lovey Smith stopped playing him for a little while. That made sense. Um, so, I mean, he's got some experience. You know, Kalen Tolson has some as well. Before we, we go on to that, just a very quick side note here. And uh, Obviously, Tuesday, I believe, was cut-down day in NFL training camps where the – Rosters get paired to 53 players, and I found it ironic that among the cuts of the former Illini, there were six former Illini that, that got cut on, on Tuesday with their, from the respective NFL teams. I found it ironic that one of them was Hardy Nickerson, linebacker, who was brought into Illinois as the Ballyhoo transfer from Cal and had a decent season in 2016, mm-hmm. was arguably the best defensive player on that 2016 Illinois team. He's bounced around in the NFL with the Bengals, with the Vikings, he's was with the Texans. The Texans defensive coordinator is Lovey Smith, who's very close friends with Nickerson's father, also Hardy Nickerson. And the younger Nickerson got cut on, on Tuesday. So I just found that a little ironic. But I digress. More t- talk of 2021 Illinois football now. Go, Scott. Inside linebacker, that's where we were. <laughs> Had to think. But no, you know, so Treek Barnes has some experience uh-huh. on the field and has shown that he can – he play well. He also he scored the first. I guess he scored maybe the only touchdown against Wisconsin. Yes, the only. If one. I remember that correctly, you know, Kalen Tolson's got some experience. Alex McCarron's a former walk-on. We got a ton of reps in spring ball because Jake Hansen was first not coming back, and then you know, he just when he did decide, you know, he wasn't going to actually go through any you know, spring ball activities. Just practice. Yeah, we're just talking about practice, man. <laughs> So, Tariq Barnes, Kellen Tolson also out. Shabon Cooper also out. So, Alex McCarron got it. He was sort of like the number one inside linebacker during the spring. So, he got some work in this system. And Ryan Walters called that position group the deepest um, for his defense. And considering, you know, he only uses two of them and occasionally just one, at least when they go sort of with their dime package look that they did against Nebraska, you don't need a bunch of guys. And they've got some that they can, I think, rely on. Obviously, C.J. Hart would have been mm-hmm. the preferable option, but I think they'll be okay because Jake Hansen's obviously, obviously still in the mix there as well. 
Hart's injury news happened on uh, he had surgery on Wednesday, I believe Bielema said uh, on on Thursday, and then that injury news is a more recent one. I guess a bigger concern maybe for Illinois is the status of Brandon Peters, although it's maybe not as much of a concern considering how well Art Tchaikovsky played in his Illinois debut last Saturday against Nebraska. Uh, Bielema spoke on his radio show Wednesday night at Papa Dell's about how Peters is progressing. He was able to throw in practice on Tuesday. Again, not very likely, though, that you'll see him on Saturday night, so all signs point towards Art Tchaikovsky making his first ever start not his first ever start at Memorial Stadium, his first ever start with <laughs> Illinois at Memorial Stadium because he was the Rutgers starting quarterback when those two teams played in Champaign back in 2019 when Rutgers and Illinois played. Yeah, and yeah, Brandon Peters, like if he plays on Saturday, consider me gobsmacked. I just don't think, even if he's ready-ish, mm-hmm. do you risk it? Because there's a reason he was you know, labeled QB1 during camp, like essentially from day one. The reason he held that in the spring is because he's who the only coaches think is their best option at quarterback. Now, Arsikowski played really well um, against Nebraska after his almost interception and when he got drilled uh, into the ground, essentially. Um, Of course, it was only an almost interception because 30 yards worth of penalties, you know, wipe that out. But after that, he, I know the idea of the game managing quarterback is thrown out as like, man, you don't want to be that. That's such a pejorative term, but uh, it works. Yes. And it worked for Illinois with Arsikowski against Nebraska. He wasn't asked to do a lot of, like, big things. I mean, That'd be really nice deep pass to Deuce Span, though, which netted Deuce Span Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Again, actually, I mean, he had a little more competition on his own team True. for that, because Isaiah Williams, somehow still a freshman. <laughs> Third season of college football, redshirt freshman. Yeah, um, but Illinois showed it can win with Art Sikowski. He showed that maybe his, other than that one pass, which Tony Peterson, the offense coordinator, said was his worst decision of the game, um, very much so it was. Uh, he was efficient. 12 of 15, 124 yards, couple touchdowns. Just let his offensive weapons work for him, and that'll be, I think, the game plan again against UTSA. Yeah, I think what was so encouraging uh, about the Illinois offense on on Saturday is I think a lot of people probably felt when they saw Brandon Peters on the sidelines in a sling that, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. We're we're in for for a bumpy ride, and and that wasn't the case at all. And they scored that first touchdown to, to tie it at nine nine. Hopefully, someone had that as their early on their bingo cards early a nine nine score in Illinois season opener. But then obviously the the re- fumble return for a touchdown by Hart gave Illinois some life going to the locker room. But to me, that that first drive out of halftime, and it was interesting too because. Like Brett Bielen has talked all along since he arrived here, he's always he's been in that honeymoon phase. He's the new coach. He's got new ideas. He's helped recruiting pick up some te- steam in state, and and everyone's gonna love you until you lose that first game or have that first moment of adversity. And every move that they make is going to be dissected and analyzed. And it was interesting. Illinois won the toss on Saturday and deferred to the second half. And I thought that was a curious decision by him because okay, you're thinking okay, if you win the toss. 
you've got the you want to get your offense out there first, kind of strike first, and kind of put Nebraska back on their heels. Well, turns out he was right in doing that because they came out of the second half and just controlled. They they established their tone on that opening drive and the second half, and I think that drive epitomizes what Brett Bielema wants out of his offense as an offense that controls the clock, makes smart decisions, doesn't beat itself, and takes advantage of weaknesses in, in opposing defenses. And it was just a solid offensive game plan, I thought, because, yes, <clears throat> Sikowski had that really nice deep throw to, to span, but Tony Peterson didn't ask Art Sikowski to go out and win the game and this is our system you have to fit it's like you have to fit a a square peg into a round hole they adapted to Art Sikowski's strengths and I feel at times in the past with Illinois that's always been kind of a detriment is they have the system in mind that they want to run and then if the if the talent doesn't match it or the personnel doesn't match it well we're just going to keep doing it over and over again and I thought they did a really good job the coaching staff just adapting in game and making necessary adjustments and, and really just Again, they had that last in the in the fourth quarter with Nebraska coming back, and maybe after Adrian Martinez broke free for that seventy-five yard touchdown, maybe people thought, "Uh oh, this this big lead's gonna go go away." And Nebraska did cut it down to a touchdown, and and had technically had the chance to go on a, a game-winning drive at the end. But just the way they established themselves in that third quarter, I thought that to me is what Brett Bielema wants out of his football team, and for them to to showcase that in in the first game, I think is uh, is a good sign. Yeah, and Nebraska helped them as well because yes. uh, as few mistakes as Illinois made, you know, Nebraska you know, repeatedly shot itself in the foot. And then also the last their last scoring drive, and they ate up almost seven minutes of clock. And like, I'm sure there were people in Lincoln screaming, like, where's the urgency? Mm-hmm. You're down a couple scores. You're just milking the clock. It was like playing directly into Illinois' hand and – um, yeah, Nebraska, hot mess. Well, that's the thing. It's the interesting aspect of this game, too, is because I think here locally it's obviously more people here in Champaign-Urbana and uh, surrounding parts around the University of Illinois care what's going on with the Illini more so than Nebraska. But the national narrative coming out of the Week Zero game is, wow, there's a train wreck in, in Nebraska and Scott Frost's days are numbered. It wasn't necessarily the fact that Illinois actually played a a solid game that was – somewhat competent and wasn't mistake filled or penalty penalty ridden they they actually looked like a decent college football team it was more man what's happened to nebraska and scott frost and, and again frost didn't really help himself either with some of the comments that he's made in his his post game <laughs> press conferences i'm sorry like i'm a i'm not a college football coach never wanted to be one but i'm i'm a sports fan and when you watch a spring football game of a college team don't base half your game plan on what you see out of a spring game. I think that's just kind of common sense, but apparently they really, really dove into that spring game film. I wonder if they were dissecting Elise Menneker's touchdown pass. <laughs> the end zone too. It's just like, what are you? That that just was that was baffling to hear come out of out of Lincoln. Yeah, and if if you are going to really base your your week zero game plan around something you saw four or five months earlier like, don't tell anybody exactly. that. just keep that to yourself yeah, that's tell a your secret you take to your grave exactly not especially yeah, this read, is how this is how big i blew it in week zero read the room i mean <laughs> <laughs> everything in the state of nebraska gears around corn husker football and 
for their coach to come out and say that, I'm sure the jaws hit the floor and we're just like, what are you what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, but that was the national story and mm-hmm. I think in those like there was just obviously a, a brief mention it was like, well, Illinois won the game. Exactly. But, but uh, we're going to oh, they look solid in the game, but here's what happened to Nebraska and, and the key for Illinois to again Brett Bielema talks about this all the time is just stacking days. Well, now Illinois has to stack some wins and, and that begins again on on Saturday night against Texas San Antonio uh, team that is a solid team uh they're they've only been playing uh college football for since 2011 uh first visit to Champaign but Jeff Trailer's team is a, a quality one they got a really good running back and sincere McCormick and I liked what Ryan Walter said too after the game is after the Nebraska game is how they kind of really geared their game plan around stopping Adrian Martinez and again I think this speaks to what I mentioned earlier is just kind of the ability to have a system but also to be able to tweak it that necessarily wasn't the case in the Levy it was not the case Levy Smith era but I think I think that's what's encouraging too after that win is is not only the fashion that Illinois won and the fact they're able to hold on at home in the first game with fans uh, since the 2019 season but just the I think Illinois fans probably left Memorial Stadium last Saturday feeling optimistic about where this program can go uh, under Bielema. And now, again, that narrative may change if they come out and fall flat against the Roadrunners and Texas San Antonio heads back to the Lone Star State with a, a big win at all. Maybe that flips the script. But I think going into Saturday night, the arrow is trending in the right direction for Illinois football. Yeah, and I think here's the thing maybe Illinois fans – not sure they'll want to embrace at all. I mean, because they won't. I'm, I'm trying to kid myself here. They won't <laughs> embrace this at all. But like Texas San Antonio, like you mentioned, good program. Yeah, a loss to them is like it's in the mix of results that could happen on mm-hmm. Saturday night, and it's not the end of the world. I mean, that's a team that went went seven and five into mm-hmm. a bowl game last year. Almost beat Louisiana in the armed. First responder bowl, I believe. Whatever. There's <laughs> one of the million bowl games. That Louisiana are was a really good group of five program last year who could win at Texas this yeah. Saturday. So this UTSA team is a pretty good group of five team. And you know, they have Sincere McCormick, obviously, returning All-American at running back. A pretty good quarterback in Frank Harris. And that's, that's I think that's going to be the difference this week as opposed to last week. Because last week, and Brett Bielma said it like, they only thought Adrian Martinez could beat them, mm-hmm. and they were right because Nebraska's skill position players, outside of that one wheel route pass to Marquis Step, I mean, can you name another Nebraska receiver running back? It, I mean, I mean, I guess, Mike Rozier, Amon Green, maybe ones that played in Champaign a week ago, maybe not. Um, so it'll, it's a little different with UTSA because you know, Frank Harris is a dual-threat quarterback that could hurt Illinois in similar ways that Adrian Martinez did one time. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to account for Sincere McCormick, which you didn't necessarily have to with Nebraska. Well, and the, and the issue, too, is, and this goes back to kind of what we just talked about as well, is, is the national narrative around Illinois is, oh, it's a good win, but, oh, Nebraska's falling apart. Well, if Illinois loses to Texas San Antonio – you know and I know and hopefully intelligent listeners of this podcast, so Ed Bond knows too, 
he hasn't dozed off yet while recording this, uh, is that Texas San Antonio is a quality program, but the casual college football fan or sports fan or on the national landscape will be if Illinois loses, oh, Illinois has gone back to what they – and and who knows? I'm not saying the Nebraska win guarantees I'm – not, I'm not having Scott Ritchie book a flight to Pasadena right now for the Rose Bowl or – probably safe make plans or anything like that did ohio state leave the big 10 when no, i wasn't watching no, they did not um but it, again it just illinois has a chance especially in this first half of the schedule this year to really put themselves in solid position leading into a more challenging back half of the schedule where i really think you're going to find out is this a team that could be a bowl team this year or are they still a year or two away from from playing meaning playing any football games after um, you know, into December. I guess, yeah, we'll find out, but like now is the time to, as they say, make some hay. <laughs> um, and well, I sort of, you know, built up the, the road runners and we'll mention here, they return all of their starters on defense. And though I think there'll be 77 seniors on the sidelines com- combined between the two teams, you know, lots of super seniors in that mm-hmm. mix. Um, Illinois is the favorite, I think, only by five and a half points right now, which I think should tell you, UTSA, no joke, but it's certainly a winnable game, Mm -hmm. and it's a game, if they win, the momentum is not only for the on-field product, but people in the stands, because student section sold out against Mm -hmm. Nebraska, I imagine you get them back for Saturday. The Saturday night game, especially, too. Get all day to... Lather. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Lather it up. Yeah. Um, a loss to UTSA, regardless of the fact, okay, really pretty decent group of five mm-hmm. team, you lose any momentum. Well, it's, it's it's interesting, too, from that per- perspective, because let's say Illinois beats you, Texas San Antonio, goes to 2-0, and then they're headed to their first road game at Virginia, respectable program, arguably the toughest non-conference game on on illinois schedule it's another power five school say they leave charlottesville with a win they're three and oh then they're it's all that momentum's building up to a friday night kickoff in champagne which i think will be interesting attendance wise just because friday night games in the past haven't exactly drawn well at illinois because they do draw a large portion of their fan base from the chicagoland area and just getting down here even after work or you'd have to cut short your work day to, to drive down to Champaign for the 8 p.m. kickoff. I'm sure it'll be like an 8-12 kickoff or something like that. That'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, though, lose to Texas San Antonio and then who knows what happens at Virginia and then that Maryland game kind of becomes, I wouldn't say must win, but just it almost would probably feel that way uh, going looking at the rest of the schedule and, and trying to just keep capitalizing on – the positive energy that the the Atlanta have after their win against Nebraska. Yeah. And it seems weird to talk about must win games in year one for a new coaching staff. It's but, Illinois though. <laughs> but there's also I mean there's forty seniors of whatever mm-hmm. variety you want to talk about. And then next year, like most of those guys won't be back. Yeah. That's, and that's true. This is the year to win. Mm-hmm. Maybe build up a little good feeling around things because next year who who knows what one one, uh, like. one key line we haven't mentioned yet that was uh that was vital uh i feel in, in illinois having 
one and zero record. Uh, Blake Hayes. Uh, yeah, I I need to mention now before I forget, but Blake Hayes definitely strengthened his campaign for Blake Hayes for MVP with his punting efforts, especially in the first half against Nebraska. Was that wasn't the one I was going to mention just now? Uh, Isaiah Williams. Okay, I mean that's that's fair. Former quarterback Scott wrote about him in in Thursday's uh, News Gazette. Uh, all kind of the mystery about what he would be like at receivers kind of gone by the wayside now that now that he had a team high six catches uh 41 yards and a touchdown reception was constantly running around the field on saturday i'm sure he probably might have been the most tired illinois football player by the time it was all said and done on on saturday but scott what were your first impressions of him in his new role at, at wide receiver and how much can he contribute to this illinois team moving forward well, once they got him involved, then it was clear kind of maybe what he could do. And it took a while to get him the ball. And it really wasn't until that first drive of the third quarter where he became maybe a significant part of the offense. But the fact that they used him in so many different ways and those ways weren't really as sort of like your traditional slot receiver. Like I don't know that he was running a ton of you know, routes across the middle mm-hmm. of the field just yet, but... It shows kind of you know his dynamic ability in that position, and you know he had the the one juke where he you know twisted up you know a pair of Nebraska defenders. Of course, he had stepped out of bounds to do it, so you know, he didn't get uh, the score in that moment. But he's just arguably the best athlete in the open field on the team, and I think you have to keep getting him the ball because of that um, until you know the defenses prove to you that you just maybe can't do it and we'll see what that means moving forward but I think for one game and as a full-time receiver now it was a success all right uh, we're about to wrap up the podcast but before we do it's uh, Scott's chance to wow the listeners with his uh, prediction skills have you made your pick yet for Saturday's game I haven't Okay, well, you're going to soon because I'm asking you. Because I'm going to do it here on the podcast. Um, now, I, I made this pick for the season mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. So what you're saying is the result against Nebraska has made it, you reevaluate your initial decision. Yeah, I mean, I think I had to because I actually got a chance to see what Illinois was going to be on offense and defense because, you know, didn't get a chance to see <laughs> that in training camp. Um However, oh, there's it's never good when someone says but or yeah. however. Yeah, um, just thankfully there's not a, a crowd of Illinois fans to Ed Bond's about to start taunting to, you and, to boo- and booing you here live and in person, jeering you soon. But when I said you, you go with got decisions on making score predictions, it doesn't sound good, Scott. It it, it won't be if you're an We're Illinois sh- fan. Ed, ship the audio to Coach Bielma right <laughs> after this. But I just. I've had this feeling like this was a game Illinois could lose because I think UTSA is a pretty decent football program. So. They didn't exist a decade ago, Scott. So they've done great things <laughs> in 10 years to be in a place where they're going to beat a Big Ten team at on the road. And so we'll go Roadrunners. Bring in the start the hate mail. His email's in the paper every day, folks. Yeah, that's great. On Twitter, 
Get there. Always a great place for nice social discourse. Roadrunners. <laughs> 35. Okay. That was, a, that was a significant pause there. I had to think of a number. <laughs> oh, I and I. 24. All right. Well, uh, now that you've all stopped listening to this podcast and started filling up Scott Ritchie's inbox with your wonderful thoughts on on Scott as a person. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, I'll flip the narrative. Uh, I'm going to pick Illinois to win this game. I'm going to go oh, 31-20. Uh, I think it'll be close in the first half, and I think Illinois is going to pull away in, in the second half to start 2-0. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Although I don't know if that's a good sign because Scott picked Illinois to win last week, or I picked Nebraska to win, and they lo- they uh, they lost. Or now I'm stumbling over words because I'm thinking of all the wonderful emails you're going to get, Scott. Anyway, those are our, our picks. Scott's got Texas San Antonio thirty-five, what twenty-four? Twenty-four. And I've got Illinois thirty-one twenty. We'll find out who's right, and we'll read some of those lovely emails I'm sure Scott will get next week on Inside the Line of Football. If we can read them. <laughs> That's a very good point as well. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this wraps up this week's edition. Thank you to Ed Bond for staying awake this whole time. We'll be back next week for another episode.